Welcome everybody, you are on the Empty Brass Podcast and I'm the host CJ Boxrude. I want to thank you for tuning in, it's truly humbling, uh, it's truly odd that people want to listen to me talk, but I do very much appreciate it. I appreciate every time somebody shares it on their story or every time somebody gives me a shout out, it means the world to me, so thank you genuinely from the bottom of my heart. I also want to take the time to thank Oakley and Eli, two of my very best friends uh, who are genuinely becoming the backbone of this podcast because it wouldn't be possible without those guys and their support uh, traveling all all around the country with me. So Eli and Oakley, uh, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. This podcast is also sponsored and it's sponsored by Mac Defense. They specialize in building duty-grade handguns for armed professionals and responsible armed civilians. They offer a top-tier product at a price point accessible to the working man. Their no-compromise approach, mixed with their expert craftsmanship, lead to a fine-tuned product with a focus on functionality. In an industry inundated with Gucci guns that fall on their face, they strive to build guns that run as good as they look in all conditions. From complete builds to modifying customer-supplied guns and components, they've got you covered. For more, visit www.macdefenseindustries.com. We're also sponsored by No Sweat, who builds liners for hats and helmets to keep the sweat out of your eyes and downrange and on your optics. For more, visit www.nosweatco.com. Again, that's www.nosweatco.com. Are you single-handedly saving match directors 50% on pasters? Do you have an untreated case of the Alpha Mics? Atlas Gunworks can return you to a perfect zero. Check it out. Check out how at atlasgunworks.com forward, plat, forward slash perfect zero. And then real quick, guys, uh, I've always promised to be transparent as the host of this podcast. And uh, I recently had an un- unexpected death in my family. Uh, it, it caught me by total surprise and I, I needed a little bit to sort of uh, process that and grieve a little bit. Um, it's a it's a part of life, you know. It's uh, it's something that we all got to do, but it uh, it doesn't make it easy all the time, and it also kind of forced me to reflect on my own mortality and how I'm using my own time. And so I, I just want to let you guys know that that's uh, the reason for the big absence is because I was uh, kind of dealing and processing uh, the loss of my uncle, and uh, I'm back now. Uh, he was a big supporter of Empty Brass, big supporter of me, and uh, going forward, I just want to. Uh, you know, honor that and and continue to do well. And I also want to be transparent and honest with uh, anyone that listens, uh, just so you guys are kind of keeping up with uh, why I sort of fell off the face of the earth there for a little bit. Uh, Without further ado, uh, I got a chance to go out to Washington and sit down with the two-time Open champ, uh, Christian Seiler. Uh, He's an amazing guy. I can't say enough good things about him. I enjoyed talking to him off mic just as much as I did on. Uh, He has a relentless work ethic and a great outlook. I could spend hours just talking about movement and and other things like that with him or or anything not related to shooting. You know, we talked about medicine and college and fraternities and really everything under the sun. Uh, But like I said, I I can't say enough good things. He is the real deal. Uh, He's cut from a different cloth uh, and he's just getting started, which is probably very scary for uh, many of his counterparts. Uh, But I hope you guys enjoy the episode as much as I did. What's going on, everybody? You're on another episode of Empty Brass, and today I'm honored to have a 13-time area champ, a two-time national champ, and the only shooter to win every 
area match in a single year with the Nationals, Christian Seiler. Christian, thanks for being with me today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Congratulations on your second national title. Thank you. Kind of recent news, so uh, yeah, yeah. pretty pretty happy. Kind of everything's chilling down after after a pretty busy year. So, so last night I watched your mm-hmm. uh, analysis of nationals mm-hmm. uh, on Vimeo, mm-hmm. and uh, you kind of walked through all the stages. Yeah. Uh, walk me through before nationals, sort of yeah. what your mindset is going in. And maybe totally. some of the differences from 2019, because it's a totally different year. Yeah, definitely a totally different year. So I think it starts more with 2019. So in 2019, I shot the Nationals, and I thought that I knew a lot of things, but I really did not know much. Okay. In 2019, I knew how to shoot the gun well, and I was fast moving. But I realized I had a lot of inefficiencies in my movement, um, and I also had a, I feel like I had a lot of different weaknesses in my game, um, like little tiny small things. But the main thing was movement. And so... I'd always just tried to copy other people's movements. I've always watched JJ, Max, Casey, all those guys. And I've kind of taken, um, you know, bits and pieces from people and their movement style, kind of the moves that they use. And I realized that I was using a lot of their moves, but I was using, using certain people's inefficiencies. And I really wasn't, I was kind of creating my own style, but I had a good style and a good feel for everything. But there was like certain things that I did that were technically incorrect. And so I got back to the drawing board. And um, I was like, all right, how, what do I need to do to improve in 2020? So I spent a lot of time analyzing my own match footage versus other people's match footage. So I'd look at JJ's video and Casey's video and be like, all right, where, how do they take this corner faster than me? And so then that's when I kind of developed like this whole new movement system. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, um, on these little tiny small courses, uh, they're like a four or five second run, right? And I'd run it in four and a half and Casey run it in four. And I'm like, I don't, he is shooting slightly faster, but not a half a second faster. Okay. And so even if Casey's shooting faster, he's probably going to save like 0.05 in an array or something. Whereas if he uses a different movement technique, he'll save 0.2 or 0.4. And so I was realizing I was doing a lot of things like technically incorrect. Like one of the biggest things was a drop step. You should only drop step if your feet are super close together at a start, start, start stick or something like that. Or if you're leaning, a hard lean left or right, that's when you should drop step. And I was drop stepping in every single position, almost every single position. So if I'm drop stepping on a stage where there's five positions, 0.2, you do it five times, it adds up, right? So that there's when you start seeing your half second second. So first I had to address, start doing things differently. I used to always, I used to have a shooting stance and a, and a, and a USPSA movement stance. I needed to blend both those together. So I made a lot of different movement changes. I was able to pick out individual moves, start choreographing them and mastering them. So I took a totally different movement approach from 2019 to 2020. Okay. But that was more of a, an off-season implement then, mm-hmm. which you did in between the two seasons? Yeah, pretty much in between the two seasons. So I shot nationals, I think, in October. And then in November was Area 2 last year. And so what I did is I put in a lot of movement work in between that time, but not like dry fire movement work, but not a lot of shooting time. And so I think I shot pretty poorly at Area 2, but my movement was so much better that I completely outran any other mistakes that I had. Okay. So I was able to make a lot of changes then. And then um, it helped a lot when I was making my shooting teaching curriculum over the off season, my plans and stuff, like creating a whole different movement. Um, like putting all of my, the ideas that I've been doing mm. into riding really helped. I really sexualized like my training after that. So the off season is when I made a lot of those gains. Okay. So 2019 is in Utah mm-hmm. and then 2020 is in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into 2020, I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, you've got like a mask on in the plane. Uh, <laughs> the, the whole world looks different. Yeah. Uh, as you're showing up to nationals, what's kind of mm-hmm. going through your head? Because you, now you've got one under your belt. Mm-hmm. You're defending rather than chasing. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. uh, kind of walk me through what's going through your head, your mindset going into it. Yeah, totally. So I think the preparation for 2019 was much better. I didn't have school. Uh, up, school starts late September for me because we're on the quarter system. And so I was able to shoot the entire week leading up to nationals. Okay. For this year, I had classes. Like I had 15 credits. I'm 18 credits classes, four classes. You only need to take three. I'm, I'm trying to prepare, so I'll have to take some uh, next fall in the world shoot. But so the preparation wasn't as good leading up to the match, but I was very confident what I did in the off season. And so when I was like taking tests and stuff, not practicing, um, I was like, okay, I need to remember all the good sessions that I've had, all the work that and changes that I've made. And so I was able to like sneak in like some 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. practices and then drive back out to school. Um, so the preparation wasn't, uh, it was, it was good. Like I worked hard, did a lot of work, but the preparation wasn't as like close to the match that I wanted. But as far as the mindset, like I, I always think I'm chasing, like I don't feel as respected as a competitor yet. I'm still young. Yeah. And I, 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 I think that I've proven myself to a certain extent, winning two nationals, winning the area matches. I don't think I've lost a match in two and a half years, but I'm, I'm always the underdog. I always feel like that. I, I never feel like I'll ever be at a point where I think that, I've made it, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like people that like fall from the, the, the fall from things, you know, you're at the top people that fall, like don't understand, like you always have to be an underdog, like anything can happen. And so I've never taken the, like, can, like never been complete complacent with my training and stuff. So I've always treated myself as an underdog. Like after 2019, it wasn't like, all right, let me go ahead and like rest of my laurels. It's like, let's get work and get better. Yeah. And so after the match, I, I got to work, started training, preparing. And so like, I still have the underdog mentality. Like, I didn't show up to nationals feeling any more pressure than the first one. Like, a lot of people are like, okay, your second one's going to be so much harder. Mm -hmm. I think the first one was way harder. Like, okay. it's way harder to get because I still have the underdog mentality, but there's a certain expectation on it. And so, I, I don't, I, like, I was obviously expected to win, uh, but I still felt like I had the underdog mentality in my training. And I feel like I still had the underdog mentality when I shot the match. Like, I shot the match one stage at a time and I, got, I clawed, you know every single stage to like fight these guys to win basically. So it wasn't like I showed up and all right, give me my trophy now yeah, basically. Yeah. Where, but, did that, yeah. uh, where did that mentality inspire mm -hmm. from? Is that from your dad or how, how did mm -hmm. you kind of get that instilled in you? I think I'm just like lucky to have like a lot of smart people around me. Like my parents, um, like a lot of, a lot of different shooting mentors. Like I have a good shooting community here, like a good, good base. And so I think that's, that's always like been good. Like just to stay humble and like keep working and stuff. I think it's just been instilled from my family and then like a lot of good, like shooting mentors and friends and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's just like kind of that, but I think, I think just like naturally, like I, I'm like very intrinsically motivated. Like I do this for myself. Like I don't shoot for like, I, I shoot to make myself happy. Basically like, I shoot for like the, the feeling of, of like doing well and working harder than seeing like the kind of the fruits of your labor, which is like winning or doing well on a stage or something. So I, I demand perfection with everything. And so that's kind of where it comes from. Would you say that uh, shooting is still in like the mm -hmm. hobby category for you? I think it is. I still have fun with it. Yeah. Whenever it, st whenever it starts becoming a chore, I'll be done with it. And I, I don't <laughs> think I'll be ever done with it. I, mean, I love shooting. Like the shooting itself. Like I love like shooting guns. Like I like guns. I'm a gun guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm also like a competitor. So I think, I think there'll always, there'll always be competition. I know that for sure. And so I, I think I'll always, I'll always love it. I, I don't think I'll ever become a, a job. It's still in the hobby category. Okay. I mean, like I'm a full-time student. Like my job is to be a student. My job is to yeah. go to class, get good grades, get a degree and get a job. So I haven't taken that, that job path yet. Does being around other like division one athletes, does mm -hmm. that kind of help keep you grounded too? And like your, your daily grind and your work ethic? I think uh, somewhat like if I'm at like the gym and I see some big guy, like, you know, that motivates me a little bit. Um, yeah. But I not, not really because like the athletes like live very separately and like they kind of do their own thing, but okay. it's more, it's more like I have a lot of friends that support me and family that supports me. And so like that motivates me. And I think just like 
demanding perfection being competitor motivates me more okay yeah let's uh let's rewind a little bit i want to yeah. know the first match that you shot like, <laughs> who took you there what did yeah. you shoot and like what was your sort of afterthought yeah so i a uh, kid on my friend's base or on my baseball team a kid on the team was like hey you should come over to my dad's house and play with guns and i was like all right bad idea yeah bad idea <laughs> sounds, sounds pretty bad but i'll so, be over later <laughs> <laughs> but i'll be over later no but my dad took me to a gun safety class took the gun safety class with like an ex-swat guy we shot we liked it i kept bugging my dad to go let's go back to the range let's go rent some guns you know, rent a lane so i did that whole thing and then um i started watching like competitive shooters and we started watching um like uh, i found out there was an mgm junior camp and so i was like all right i gotta go to that like kids with guns like with a camp that sounds awesome yeah so i went out and shot a couple idpa matches we you know i have a trap shotgun i started to shot at my first three gun match so i shot just enough matches um to get qualified to go to the mgm junior camp and that's where it kind of took off but first match was an idpa match at renton a uh, local place here and uh just showed up there they put um they put uh, a local a master gm guys with me all day to make sure i was being safe and teach me the rules and everything how old are you at this point uh, i was like 13 okay, 13 years old young. yeah pretty young 13 and i remember my mom was like all right do not shoot yourself like you got a gun in your holster running around like this sounds dangerous but i was safe and i walked around all the different courses of fire and it was pretty cool like everyone was like oh you gotta come back next month and like it was it was definitely a fun experience i definitely got way too many procedurals i know they've changed some of the rules now but then they were like all right you gotta go shoot uspsa but yeah. it was good uh, so what was your first uspsa match then okay i gotta think about that i think the first uspsa match was an indoor match at bellevue gun club okay. and that that i showed up to the tuesday night idpa and they're like oh my gosh like what are we doing here i'm like oh i'm here with my little mom and we're show up and uh I was looking at me like, have you done this before? Oh, I've done this, you know. Just, yeah. you know, my mom's like, no, he's good. Like, go let him shoot, you know. So I shot the IDP match around Tuesday, and the Tuesday guys invited me to the Thursday night action league, which is USPSA-ish. Mm. And so I shot that. That was like my first USPSA match of no cover, load up your mags and stuff. So it was, it was good. So it was kind of like an outlaw match. Yeah, it was an outlaw match. They, they might have been sanctioned at one point. I think they're IDPA sanctioned, but yeah, it was good. Do you remember what you shot? Like what division? I shot a Walther PPQ okay, M1. Awesome. So I had the little <laughs> paddle release. I had a concealment holster, uh -huh. and I had a. Uh, something I took from an airsoft vest that ha held magazines. Okay. So I was definitely a ghetto rig. <laughs> I showed up to the MGM Junior Camp with a parts gun that we bought during the whole uh, like Sandy Hook era. So it was like okay. way overpaid for this gun. Yeah. Parts gun, short handrail, three power fixed stock. Showed yeah. up with a, a Benelli, but it held, held four rounds and stuff. So yeah. just, I just ran whatever I had, basically. And so... Walk me through how you got to open then. Was mm -hmm. that something that you kind of saw early on? Mm -hmm. Like, that's where I want to be? Or is it a little bit of a progression? Or how did yeah. you get there? Yeah. So, like, when you get your first car and you have a Jetta, right? You always are like, all right, I want a Ferrari, right? Yeah. You know, and that will never happen. Probably never own a Ferrari. But, you know, it's obviously feasible in USPSA. It's a little sure. different, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple thousand dollar investment versus a couple hundred thousand. <laughs> but, yeah. so I started shooting production. I liked it. It was fun to compete with. And then... I got to a point where I was pretty good with the Glock. I had a Glock 34, had my whole rig and everything, and my two shooting coaches were like, the next thing is going to be open. I was like, I, I kind of want a limited gun. I want more rounds. I want to go fast. And like, all right, the next progression for you is you need to learn more movement stuff, meaning you need to start blending positions, not just loading in every position. You need to learn the movement stuff, and you also need to speed up your eyes. And so, you know, there's only a certain pace you can go with iron sights. I mean, you can have an exploratory phase with your iron sights and kind of push and see stuff faster, but the dot allows you to go way faster. And Absolutely. so... You need to drive a Ferrari on the freeway for a while. Then, like, the, the, the concept was that I was going to come back to production. Because I kind of liked it. Okay. And, uh, but no, I stuck with open. So okay. we bought a used open gun. And yeah. We started shooting it. <laughs> what was the first caliber it was chambered in? Uh, I borrowed a guy named Keith locally. He had an open gun. It was nine major. I just went and shot at. Shot okay. a local match. And 
struggled to find the dot all day, but I loved it. On like, the last couple stages, I could find the dot with just hammering stuff. So it's like, all right, Keith, we're buying an open gun now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So let's uh, let's sort of fast forward actually into the future. So yeah. those were kind of the challenges that were ahead mm -hmm. of you. Yeah. Now that you've got two under your belt, mm -hmm. you've got a world shoot next year. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me a little bit about what the next challenge is for you yeah. or what the next horizons are. Yeah. So the big thing for me in... So like 2016 was all about like let's win the first area match right mm -hmm. the next thing was okay you've won a bunch of area matches now all the pressure's on like you know are you gonna win all the area matches and the nationals it was like all right let's win the nationals so that was my next next goal and so as goal setting is like really really big because there's no progression without goals like if you don't have a goal you're gonna be like pretty stagnant and so the next goal for me is to win the world shoot i don't care who's showing up i don't care what division i don't care if everyone comes from every other division to shoot open mm -hmm. my goal is to shoot my best and to win the world shoot okay. like nationals is a goal i want to win nationals every year sure um i think i can do that but the big overarching goal is world shoot and like winning nationals will help me get there but i have to identify the path of what i'm going to do to get to the world shoot so i've identified the exact path everything that i need to do shooting wise experience wise everything i need to do to get ready for the world shoot so that's the goal Okay, so last night I watched on the way here mm -hmm. uh, your analysis of the Nationals. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, you came up with some good statistics. Uh, mm -hmm. Correct me if these are wrong, mm -hmm. but I think you said you shot around 93% of your 100% mm -hmm. at Nationals. Yes. So what is the goal for mm -hmm. the world shoot? What do you want yes. to be shooting at out of your 100%? Yeah, so I think it's two things. I think I, I'm obviously pretty good now, but I see what the next steps are. The next steps are going to be experience, mentality, and then actual shooting skills. Mm -hmm. So I shot the gun really well at Nationals. I shot... I moved really well. The two things I want to, uh, or the big thing I want to uh, control physically, like actual mechanic stuff, is I want to get way better at swingers. Okay. I've practiced swinging targets quite a bit, but I still need to get over that kind of hump of just like totally dominating the swingers. Mm -hmm. Instead of just getting two, you know, Charlies or something, I want to get two alphas on the swinger. I want to control the swingers. So the next step for me is to learn how to shoot the swingers. I know how to shoot the swingers better. I see more experience on shooting the swingers. So shooting the swinging targets, moving targets, that's, that's step number one, physical. Then, as far as experience goes, like, I don't really get my eyes too wide when I go to, like, a big match. Like, my first Nationals, I was like, okay, it's another match. So, yeah. I don't think there's going to be any shot going to World Shoot. I mean, everyone keeps telling me, oh, you're going to freak out. You know, you have a mental breakdown because <laughs> like, we all do going to World Shoot. I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I I'm, I'm different in that way. Like, so, yeah. so, as much as I understand that, you know, nothing's going to shock me at the World Shoot, I do want to get some international experience. So, last year I was playing the Extreme uh, extreme Match in Russia, the Extreme Euro Open. Like, I was planning going international quite a bit. Okay. Um, but, obviously, COVID and everything. Yeah. So, next year I'm going to shoot matches internationally. So, experience, shoot international matches. Physical, I want to shoot swingers better. Let's let's re mm -hmm. let's visit that real yeah. quick. So, yeah. uh, when a swinger comes, they can come mm -hmm. from different directions. Mm -hmm. There's kind of a couple of different approaches. Walk me through, do you track it? Yeah. Are you trying to hold mm -hmm. on a spot? What's your approach? Uh, when yeah. does it change? So it depends. So I, I have like this whole sweet sequence that Saul Kirsch has explained with, it's in his book really well. Okay. And uh, there, there's two methods, tracking and trapping basically. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, there's like 10 drills basically to do all the different sequences that swinger could ever do. And so okay. my plan is to set up a swinger and every single cadence, sequence, distance, everything it could possibly do. So like if you had a swinger that's only appearing to the left-hand side, when it's coming down, it has a dwell point. When it goes to the extreme of the left or right, it'll have a dwell point. So my plan is to shoot one round coming down. So hold on the spot, kind of adjust a little bit if need be, but hold on a spot, shoot one coming down and then one coming up. So you shoot at the dwell basically. That'll be trapping. Tracking though is if you have a, tar a target that goes just goes over the top. So imagine if the dwell point at the left and the right are covered with barrels. So just going over the top, mm. that you're going to have to track okay. um, to get two in one pass basically. So I'll, I will off the track, which is, which is harder than trapping. Like if I have a swinger coming out left to right, I'm shooting two A's on it no matter what. 
Yeah. But over the top are the hard ones. They've seen IPSC a lot, and I've gotten so much better at them. Okay. But <laughs> I need to get so much more better at them. So that's the physical side of it. So tracking and trapping just depends on what they look like. And I don't want to get buried too much into the swingers, mm-hmm. but I, last night when I was watching mm-hmm. the analysis, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I ever saw you take a makeup on a swinger. I think it's almost all two. Mm-hmm. Are you going into it with the mentality, I'm, I'm going to call two mm-hmm. good shots and take good two shots and then move on? Yeah, totally. Okay. I think some people always, like, some people plan, like, three shots on stuff. And <laughs> and that's bad just because, like, you know, you will fix it. It'll be good. But, like, planning three shots on stuff is bad just because, like, you're getting the mentality of you're not going to do well. And I always want to see myself doing well. And so... I let my sights dictate everything. Okay. If I call a bad shot, I'm throwing another one. If I call two good shots, I dictate, like, I, I allow the gun to dictate what I'm doing, basically. What am I calling? What am I seeing? And so, yeah, some people, like, plan three on partials. I'm like, or you get to shoot two good shots yeah. on it, right? Well, it's a, it's a good tip because, mm-hmm. I, you know, the first thing, and it's terrible, when I see mm-hmm. a swinger, I look mm-hmm. at the speed and I say, can I take three on that? Yeah. And if the answer is yes, then I'm going <laughs> to three? three on it. Yeah. Right? I definitely want to be more in control and more precise. Like, okay. like, one of the things when I showed up to my first, the Florida Open match, like, in 2017 or 2018, I was like, I was like, geez, all my training just got so sloppy. Like, I was just, like, planning three on different targets. I was planning, like, doing extra loads and stuff and, like... Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna like shoot two with this steel. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I've become way more like precise. Like, I've demanded way higher uh, like expectations for myself because then it's like more precise, basically. Sure. But, yeah. Uh, so I, maybe I'm wrong. I'm gonna assume mm-hmm. a little bit, but this year mm-hmm. I seem to have uh, seen that you're mm-hmm. a little more willing to correct fallacies or mm-hmm. to uh, challenge techniques. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've really enjoyed you. Sort of, mm-hmm. uh, you're always respectful. You're mm-hmm. always, uh, you know, delicate in it. But mm-hmm. this year I've seen you be a little bit more. Uh, vocal about no mm-hmm. I don't think that's right or mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a better way to do it mm-hmm. uh, is that something that's just now that you've got maybe a resume that backs mm-hmm. it or are you trying to uh, inject more of the right information in the mm-hmm. community what sort of is driving that yeah I'm definitely trying to trying to like I think there's a lot of a lot of people that just say things and don't have maybe the credentials or the actual experience like when I was 16 years old I was at the MGM junior camp and I was instructing it and I and you know I obviously meant well but there's a lot of things I was saying that I didn't do myself mm-hmm. or I didn't know I wasn't doing myself or things that I was taught previous by previous instructors that didn't really apply. Okay. And so like, just like, I feel really in control of everything now of like the shooting mechanics. Like I feel like I'm at a point where I understand a lot more than I ever had before. I know there's more to learn. There's always more to learn, but I'm at a point now where I know a lot about how things work okay. because I know how to fix things now. Like, I, I, my, I mean, I've obviously had some help, but myself over the past two, three years have become, you know, went from B class wherever I was to winning nationals. Okay. And that wasn't because I learned something new. It wasn't because I, I listened to someone else or anything. Like I totally took charge of everything. I analyzed everything about my shooting, my movement, everything like that, took information from all over, all over the place and like made my style. And so I have my style and I can just back, you know, back up just about anything I can say. Right. And sometimes I correct myself. I've, I don't know if I publicly have, but I've corrected myself on different things I've said in the past. Not, I haven't said anything like dumb, like, Oh, don't prep the trigger or something. But yeah. I've, I've gone back and been like, actually there's a better way to do it now, especially with some movement stuff. Um, so I'm definitely like, willing to like listen to new ideas and stuff, but I know it works well for me and I can teach and talk about why it works well for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I have no problem if someone posts something and is like, this is the way to do it. Yeah. And I'm like, 
maybe it's not the way to do yeah, it. Yeah. And here's why, you yeah. know? And so I, I like having, like, respectful discussions with, like, long-time instructors and stuff like that. Yeah, I think it only benefits the community. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think sometimes, you know, a lot of people are sensitive about it, and that's mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think when it comes from somebody that's got mm -hmm. as much winning as you do, mm -hmm. it, it definitely carries more weight. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad to see you putting that mm -hmm. out there a little bit more because mm -hmm. I think it only helps, you know, newer or, uh, you know, maybe yeah. less experienced shooters. That, that mm -hmm. just betters us all. Uh, mm -hmm. Teaching is something that you've really mm -hmm. uh, kind of dabbled into in the last mm -hmm. year. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Is that also in the hobby category? Is that mm -hmm. more of in the professional category? Mm -hmm. And uh, what's sort of the, the big picture going forward with that? Yeah, so it's definitely in the hobby category because I like, okay. enjoy doing it. I think I'll always enjoy doing it. Uh -huh. um, it can definitely be challenging at times. But uh, challenging meaning like, you know, get, you know, it's challenging with the time. I mm -hmm. mean, I, I currently don't have as much time as I want for training. Like at home, I have an Excel spreadsheet of like 20 or 25 people that have have groups that want to do classes and it's okay. like i'm trying i'm yeah. trying to fit in the schedule i don't know my spring schedule yet i don't know my summer schedule yet and they're all great people i'm, I'm really trying to fit them all in and, and coordinate how we can make it work but um right now i'm trying to do as like many classes as possible but i'm really focusing on like the quality of the class like right now i'm like i'll do two days with 12 people or i'll do eight and eight with in one day like i really want to have like a lot of personalized individual attention i think it's i think it's the best approach being really personalized a lot of individual attention and, and I love I love teaching stuff. I think I have a unique um, package of what I teach them. Okay. Um, I think movement's the most important thing. I think once I give them the actual shooting knowledge on what to change, I, I give them the shooting knowledge, tools and knowledge for success later on, but then I actually identify the inefficiencies or things that they're doing wrong and say, all right, here's how you fix them. So I give them the shooting remedy. And I'm like, all right, I want you to get a perfect rep, and then I want you to go get perfect rep at home. Okay. okay? Because if one person is having an issue with shooting and no one else is, um, you know, it gets tough having very little, like varying levels of skill. Mm -hmm. And so as far as like my concept on, on actual shooting, it's going to take thousands of rounds to change something. So right. once I've identified what the problem is, I give them perfect rep. They know what it feels like. They can go do it at home. But I feel like the biggest gain for 99% of people is movement. And so uh, my class is, is, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but a high percentage of movement stuff, because I can teach them three, four moves, a couple different things, and they can go to their next match and take like 10 seconds off their time. Okay. So I think that's been the coolest thing is um, I'll, I go like in North Carolina, there's a couple guys that I said, all right, you're doing this wrong, this wrong, you're shooting. I gave them all the tools and knowledge to succeed and they changed those things. And then the next weekend they took the, the movement stuff and applied it. I'm like, yeah, I won my local match. Like, cool. you know, I've never yeah. won a local match before. It's the movement yeah. stuff. And so yeah. it's been pretty rewarding like that, but I'm trying to like fit in as much as much as possible. So going forward after college, I hope to do a lot more training stuff because I like it a lot. Have you done much in the realm of like duty or mm -hmm. military teaching too? Yeah. So I haven't had any like military contracts, or, like law enforcement stuff. Um, I've taught a lot of like law enforcement guys, you know, like, a handful of law enforcement guys. So it's kind of been cool to get feedback from them on, on like how that, how that information applies to law enforcement stuff. Um, it's, I think it's been pretty interesting how like a lot of the movement concepts apply to that, but mainly the shooting stuff. Okay. I've had like a lot of interesting concepts of like, you know, with different shooting techniques and stuff like, oh, no one's ever taught me that before. Like, yeah. or that's not what they teach. And I explain why and stuff. And so it's been kind of cool, but I've never had like a law enforcement specific class. I think it'd be pretty cool to make it, make a curriculum for law enforcement specifically. So definitely open to that in the future. There's a lot of argument and I think mm -hmm. it's sort of fading uh, mm -hmm. as the times sort of go on. Mm -hmm. Do you think that Everything that you're doing mm -hmm. in the competition, or not not everything, but the vast majority mm -hmm. would translate to duty or or military use. Yeah, I, I think a ton. There's actually a post. I don't know if it was Ben Steger or X-ray Alpha. I'm not sure they have a training company, but they had a big post about like you know how you have to learn how to shoot the gun, how it applies to duty and stuff. I mean, 
in my opinion, like what wins gunfights is, is, is obviously a very naive opinion because I'm not military law enforcement, but you use cover and you shoot well, right? You know, yeah. you need to shoot the, you need to shoot the bad guy. If you can't shoot the bad guy, you can't really, you know, work, work from anything there. So like, there's obviously a lot of tactic stuff. I went and saw Joe Farewell teaching a, uh, like a, uh, car tactics thing i was like blown away i'm like this this is mind-blowing to me right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, nothing like crazy that i would you know do incredibly different but how we use different pillars and stuff like that, that i think that was awesome to, for me to see because it kind of opened my eyes to more tactical stuff but no the competition shooting stuff applies heavily i mean competition shooting is shooting a handgun at a high rate of speed mm-hmm. with great accuracy yep. and so I, I mean if i if i was able to take that shooting skill and then learn tactics then it'd be a perfect combination so sure. i think like military and law enforcement units, you know, keep teaching the tactics and everything. But I think a lot of units have benefited from competition shooters teaching the shooting techniques yeah. and having them reach new levels of skill with shooting. A lot of history too between sort of the mm-hmm. blending of those two worlds and taking mm-hmm. a guy like yourself and mm-hmm. and putting them with you know a tier one unit and sort of uh, you know chopping off the you know the things that are combined and then mm-hmm. running with it. Yeah, and it's a uh, it's just blended the communities you know expanding outward. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, I'd love to learn some tactics and stuff. So I'm I'm always like, you know, talking to law enforcement, military guys, like talking about all clearing rooms or stuff like that. I'm obviously total novice at that, but then I talk to them about shooting stuff. And so it's cool. I think, I think there's a lot of pushback, you know, one side thinks they know all one side, you know, one side does this or that. And so I think combining it is what we have to do. So I love, I love seeing different collaborations between tactical and competition guys. I think it's really cool. Were you shooting with Joe or mm-hmm. were you just observing? I was just observing. They, uh, observing. They, uh, they let me shoot like a rifle and stuff at the car and kind of see what the bullets do. But okay, cool. we'll be uh, we'll be teaching a class in January, I think. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, it'll yeah, be good. I, I love Joe to death. He's, yeah, he's Joe's awesome a good guy. guy. <laughs> um, so next year's the world shoot. Yes. There's just some whispers and sort of some talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to get specific with it, but yeah. there's some formal world champs that mm-hmm. used to shoot open that don't. Uh-huh. Uh, what would you... How would you view them coming back to open for a world yeah. shoot and potentially, you know, there's a, a majority, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a couple different ones. How would mm-hmm. you view that challenge uh, and would it change your mm-hmm. approach or change your strategy at all? Mm-hmm. Or would it just, uh, you know, would you, would you like to have that ex, you know, extended mm-hmm. competition? Talk to me a little bit. About yeah. That. So there, there's obviously like a lot of really like legendary shooters that might shoot, might shoot open and you know, I'm open to any challenge. Um, you know. I'm pretty confident in my abilities and what I can do. And I, and it's not really going to change anything. I'm going to shoot the way that I know how to. I'm going to shoot the same system and everything in the matches. So nothing's really going to change in preparation or anything. Um, but no, I'm excited for any challenge. I shoot against the same guys here in the U.S. all the time, basically. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited to get on the international stage and shoot shoot with other people. I think it'll be a real, real good learning experience. And I think a lot of growth will come from it. But um, no, I'm, I'm open. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on winning the world shoot. That's yeah. my goal. And, uh, and so I'm training hard, working hard. Um, and so I'm excited for any challenge that that uh, that opens up. Yeah, I, th- I think it'd be fun to watch you to run against some of those guys too, mm-hmm. for just the community as a whole. Mm-hmm. If let's say you accomplished your task mm-hmm. list, maybe it's not even this world shoot, maybe mm-hmm. it's the one down the road. Mm-hmm. What would sort of be the next venture for you? Because mm-hmm. if if you win a bunch of national titles and a world shoot together and mm-hmm. open, do you think you might deviate into? potentially mm-hmm. a different class or maybe like a little some three gun or mm-hmm. i mean you've been shooting from a helicopter lately yeah some, <laughs> some other stuff like, like a heli division yeah. what's next basically after the world shoot yeah or I'm, something that maybe that's just in the back of your mind yeah I, I think um you know i'm totally sold on the open division right now i yeah. want you to open division my goal is a world championship yeah. after that i think i'm gonna you know give it a month and, and kind of be like all right what's next I, I, i'd have to be there to really know mm-hmm. but um I'm too involved and too focused on winning the world championship to go deviate from that plan. So I'm not going to go shoot three gun or something like that. I've kind of thought about shooting L10 this year just because it's 
you know, limited and open are together. And I'd love to shoot limited or carry optics or something as a warm up. And so, yeah, I mean, I'd love to dabble in other things. I think the same skill sets apply. I think open, if you can master open, do well in open, you can do well in anything, basically, any mm. pistol shooting. And so, I think it'd be fun to shoot three gun or fun to shoot, you know, limited or carry optics or um, maybe PCC for fun, but not. I don't know how I don't know how to say that. Maybe not in USPSA, just for fun. Yeah. But yeah, and maybe limited. I think limited would be cool down the road. You don't have any concerns about? Uh, I, I'm trying to. There's really no other way to say this, but just mm-hmm. getting bored. Yeah, I don't think I'll get bored. I mean, I love I love competing. I think I didn't get bored after nationals, and I, and I I mean I knew about the world shoot, but like I didn't know like the scope of it back then. I guess. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I, I think there's. I think the world shoot won't be the end. I think there's a lot of other things to do. Okay, that's awesome. That's exciting for, yeah. for someone like me to hear just because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're so young. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of uh, people like me that are a fan, we worry about mm-hmm. you sort of like, all right, I'm on something out. out. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it just, I, I've been there, done that. And so mm-hmm. uh, you know, the better the skill set is in the community mm-hmm. as a whole, I think the better it is for the, the community growing forward. Yeah. And, and you're sort totally. of the, the youth mm-hmm. standard for that. And yeah. do you feel like you carry that weight a little bit? Yeah, that's interesting. I've thought about that more lately, actually. I think that that's very interesting. Um, I think so, because I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm looking at other people, and I'm like, all right, well, we're the next generation, you know? Mm-hmm. I looked up I looked up to people like Casey, JJ, Max when I was younger. When I was, you know, I was 13, 14, those are people I watched. I watched Casey, Max, JJ. There's a whole list of people, obviously, right? Sure. But there's going to be the next generation, and so I think it's, I think it's very interesting to see uh, what we can learn from the last generation and how we can grow the sport, how we can handle ourselves and carry ourselves. And so I've learned a lot of lessons from, I think, I think the next generation isn't shooting. I don't know if the next next generation is shooting at a high level yet. Okay. I don't know if all the next generation pieces are there yet. You know, I, I see some, I see some next Casey's or JJ's and Max's and stuff, but um, I, I don't see that like full big picture yet, but mm-hmm. I definitely feel like I carry the weight of like the next generation of shooters. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's, like, a date I could put on it, but, like, this era, like, 20-year-old, or, like, you know, 13 up to 20-ish, I think I carry that weight of, like, representing the juniors and stuff, and so, you know, I'd like to give back and I see if we can get the junior camp running again and stuff, but I definitely do feel that I'm carrying the weight of being the next generation in USPSA, and so um, I, I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm in for the long haul, basically, so. Yeah, well, yeah. I think one, one thing that's kind of interesting, if you look at mm-hmm. the Steel Challenge, there's mm-hmm. a lot of young kids that are winning. Yes. If you look at USPSA, you, you're winning, and then everybody mm-hmm. else is sort of the generation mm-hmm. above you. Right. And it, I think one thing that will be interesting is the generation behind mm-hmm. you. What did they do? When did they start to make some more noise? Right. Have you seen some young kids that you're like, mm-hmm. maybe you know, maybe these kids could you know potentially yeah. rise up quickly? Yeah, I definitely see that. I think individually aside, I think we need to we need to get people in possibly through Steel Challenge shooting twenty mm-hmm. twos, but. I don't like that people are staying with 22 Steel Challenge. I think that is going to be the death of the next generation is people staying in Rimfire. Like, the Steel Challenge has turned into a Rimfire match. I know a lot of the top guys are not happy with it, myself included. That match should revolve around one thing only. That's the Open Division, okay? And so I think the people that are shooting 22s and winning that stuff need to pick up a real, or, you know, not a real gun. I mean, yeah. it sounds terrible to say, but pick up a real gun and, and go compete with the big boys and open, at you know? At least put it in a holster. At least, <laughs> at least put a gun in a holster, basically, yeah. and drop from a holster. I yeah. mean, that's what the sport, that, that's the legacy that I want to live uh, live on is, is shooting an open gun, yeah. shooting, you know, not, at least 9 millimeter divisions, basically, mm-hmm. drawing from a holster, that sort of stuff. And so um, I think I think staying true to, like, the past is going to be, 
continue to have limited open those type of divisions be big and like the the uspsa division so those people need to shoot uspsa keep growing it i think there's a lot of talent in seal challenge i think they need to con you know or should convert over to uspsa and keep that alive but yeah yeah it's, uh, i would like to see the same a little mm -hmm. bit more conversion mm -hmm. um so one thing that i really took away from actually mm -hmm. another podcast that you mm -hmm. did uh, you know, I think most people that shoot USPSA mm -hmm. are probably a little bit more in my genre, and that's mm -hmm. that I have a little bit of a different job, and sometimes mm -hmm. they get practice, sometimes they yeah. don't. Uh, so before I listened to the podcast with you, if mm -hmm. I hadn't live fired in like yeah. two weeks, I would carry that way with me into a match. You know, oh, yeah. like I haven't, uh, you know, I haven't shot. It's probably not going to go. Dumpster good. fire inbound. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> like already kind of beating yourself up before you even take the first mm -hmm. shot. Uh, and then I heard you say that you know there was a, an area match. I think it was like mm -hmm. two weeks before mm -hmm. you hadn't shot one live mm -hmm. bullet. And not only that, but you had a lot of stuff going on before. Yep. Same with this year's Nationals. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about how you're able to negate that live fire, but you yep. still perform so well. Yeah. So I think, um, so that's like, I'm in school. So Monday to Friday, I'm not touch touching my gun. Mm -hmm. And then on the weekend, I go home and I dry fire a ton. Just get back to used to the gun. Like, if you don't touch your gun, like, imagine not touching your gun for a week and then picking it up. You're like, all right, where's the dot? Like, where's all this stuff, yeah. right? So if you go to a lot to live fire or a match, it's dumpster fire. So for me, I need to understand the controls of the gun, you know, get that muscle memory back a little bit. And so, or break bad habits. And so for, for that, it's dry fire. And so, like, if I was home, like, when I was, like, I'm still rising through the ranks, but when I was like 16, 17, I would dry fire like every single day, like 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes I just like watch TV show, commercial break. All right, we're gonna do some reloads or something like that. So yeah. getting more used to your equipment and understanding like picking up your sights, you know, like trigger prep, like all that sort of stuff, you can really train dry fire. And then when you go to live fire, you feel like so much better. And so, um, yeah, for 2018 nationals, like I hadn't picked up a gun in like a week, maybe a week and a half. Maybe I came home and shot like two rounds. I don't particularly remember, but... I was in the hotel like the night before the match, like dry firing yeah. and that helped. But I was also like, geez, this is like a little bit too late to be doing this. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, uh, but no, there's a lot to be gained from dry fire. I like to dry fire before my live fire session. So I'm like used to the gun. So the first shot's not like, Oh, here's what it's like to draw from the holster. Right. Right. And so I think doing some dry fire before that is good. So okay. staying up on that. Yeah. What is your dry fire setup? Like when you go into mm -hmm. whatever the room or the garage, mm -hmm. do you have a lot of things already pre set up that mm -hmm. are kind of permanently there? And mm -hmm. then you're, only having to put your belt on or, or how do you sort of maximize that time that you do get to dry fire? Yeah, totally. So I have just a basement that I just put up like one target, basically one or two targets for transitions, you know, wide ones, a close one, but not, nothing really that major. I mean, it'd be nice to have like a dry fire dojo where I have like cones yeah. and stuff, yeah. but don't we all wish? Don't we all wish, right? Don't we all wish we had a range in our backyard and stuff, but no, I do like a little small movement drills and cone to cone and box to box and stuff. That's like movement stuff. I, I can do that outside. But no, I just have a couple targets. I know, work, work draws, work picking up my sights, work the fundamentals and uh, trigger prep, trigger press, all that sort of stuff. Picking up, the, picking up the dot, transitioning, being real precise with that stuff. But nothing like really complicated. Like everyone thinks it's like this mystical dry fire thing. It's like <laughs> you just have to do it, you yeah, know. Like, yeah. um, but doing it is the first step. The first okay. step is doing it, and then then like like learning and working on stuff and being real. Like if you want to fix the grip thing, you got to put your brain on the grip and start fixing that in dry fire. So you can fix a lot of issues with that, which is cool. Does your mindset uh, going into mm -hmm. it, do you, do you have sort of a like a positive pathway, mm -hmm. even if you haven't had that live fire that you sort of mm -hmm. maintain going yeah. into the match? Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I will have the most false confidence in my abilities. <laughs> I will not pick up my gun for a month and I'll show up to nationals and be like, we're winning it today, yeah. right? Like yeah. not outwardly, obviously inwardly confident in my abilities. But yeah, I mean, I think a lot of things can be done when you're confident in yourself. Okay. And I know a lot of guys that practice more than me. I know a lot of guys that 
put in, I, I put in a lot of time. I don't want to say more time because I put in a lot of time. But I know a lot of people that shoot more, do more, have their gun in their hands more, and aren't as confident. Mm-hmm. I think it's like really trusting yourself and your preparation. And so I found a way, not like a, not like some magical key. It's just like a lot of things at once. Like be confident in yourself. Yeah. Like I think I found it found this really good. Is like if I go into a match and there's something that scares me, you write it down. You put I put a reminder on my phone. Practice okay. this. Like oh, all right, well I'm screwed for this match right now. Yeah. But I'm gonna practice this in the future. Then I put my phone away and I'm like, all right, I'm not screwed. I'm gonna go, you know, I'm, I know what to do here, you know? Yeah. So it's just like, you gotta be confident in your abilities and your gear, I think is really important. Like, you need to know that every time you pull the trigger, the gun's gonna go off. That's step one. Yeah. Step two is confidence <laughs> in yourself. Yeah. So you, you spend a lot of time in, uh, in making sure, like, your belt and your mag carriers and oh, stuff yeah. are all set to go? Yeah, I mean, I've, I have two belt systems, two guns, I have a bunch of backup stuff. So if it wasn't working leading up to the match, all right, I'm not touching it, I'm grabbing a new one. So you have to have confidence in that. Okay. I think that's really, really big. And then also, like, when you go into the match, you need to make sure, like, I prep my gear, like, a week before, basically. Yeah. I'll prep my match gun, make sure we're all good, we're clean, I'll tighten my belt and everything, lock, re-lock tight stuff if it's not lock-tighted, and then set it aside, and I'm ready to go, basically. Okay. Yeah. So, you get to see, uh, you know, everything from a local match to the mm-hmm. Super Squad, mm-hmm. uh, if, and, and that's kind of your realm. Not mm-hmm. kind of, it is your realm. Yeah. And if I could give you a wand, and mm-hmm. you could wave <laughs> the wand, yes. and, and fix something that practical mm-hmm. shooters, that we mm-hmm. all do that we mm-hmm. could do better or that we shouldn't do, mm-hmm. what would be your number one sort of as a, mm-hmm. as a broad brush? Broad brush. Yeah, critique yes. of practical shooters, like I'm going to end this or, I'm, you know, fix this or, or <laughs> cease this. What, what would that be to you? Okay, I'm going to say it's two things. One, I think we got to get USPSA mainstream. We got to get shooting more mainstream. Like, yeah. like we got to get a hat that says make shooting great again. Or <laughs> I, I don't know what it's going to be. I mean, the USPSA is great, but I think we make it even better. And so I think, like... I think there's been some efforts to, like, get on TV and stuff. I think Shooting USA does a pretty good job of it. Yeah. Um, but, like, getting it to the public and, like, making com- competitive shooting, like, easier to get into and also um, just, like, more mainstream. I mean, most people, like, hurt, know of competition shooting but don't really know what it is. So, like, getting that message out on social media and everything's big. So, I think making USPSA, like, on ESPN again. Like, yeah. make, make, it, make it big like that. Um, but then I think also one of the big things that I've realized, like, lately is that, like, um, people really have to have integrity, integrity personally, and then also like a lot of respect for the game too. And so I think when, when, when tensions get high, I think a lot of people are very prone to like not bending the rules, but really trying to get as most, most out of the calls they want. So I think more personal integrity across all professional athletes and, and professional shooters too will be good. And just have people have like more respect for themselves in the game. I think that'd be good. Do you think there's sort of a comparison of, uh, you know, in, in golf, uh, you know, maybe you, mm-hmm. you could, uh, Mm-hmm. You could kick your ball forward and no one would see it. Yes. There, there's sort of this mentality of like, you don't do that. Yes. Uh, you know, you, you just play it as it lies. Do you think that uh, we have that and mm-hmm. could it, does it need to be better? I think, uh, I think we have it, but I don't think it's always practiced. Like there, yeah. I, when I, when I came into the super squad, I always, I had the understanding from, I guess maybe from a shooting USA quote that everyone's going to work together. You know, everyone at the end of the day wants to win, but everyone's going to be your friend and everyone's going to, everyone's going to want to, you know, not help, but everyone's going to want to talk about their stage plans. And then it doesn't end up like that, right? So yeah. I wish people would be more um, more collaborative. I think it's been described before as when you go to the U.S., it's the war. It's the <laughs> war. Like the super squad is the war. Yeah. And so I think a lot of like first time people have hard in the super squad or have a hard time in the super squad because it is the war. Everyone, you know, they'll go out after the match or before the match. They'll they'll have dinner and they're friends and they go to the match and it's the war. You know, you want to beat that person. And so um, I, I'm not saying it's one person, two people, three people. It's collectively as a group. I think the attitude needs to change a little bit. Okay. And I think it needs to be, uh, 
I don't know. I don't know what the change is going to be, but okay. I think people people should play more fairly, have more respect for themselves, the game. I think it's way multifaceted. Like there's, it, I think there's more to it. But um, yeah, I think just respecting the game, respecting yourself, and I think I've done a, a pretty good job of respecting myself personally mm-hmm. and respecting the game. So I, I like that's how I want to carry myself. Well, that's one thing I was actually kind of curious about. So when mm-hmm. I go to a local match. Uh, and mm-hmm. we, we go up to a stage, I'm, I'm talking to guys that mm-hmm. I know about how they're running it, and there's, mm-hmm. like, a lot of conversation. Oh, yeah. On the Super Squad, is mm-hmm. is it more like everyone's kind of isolated and doing their own thing, or is there a lot of collaboration and conversation, or what mm-hmm. what's it like uh, in that terms? Yeah, very interesting. So I think I had the perception that when you go on the Super Squad, no one's going to run a plan without everyone knowing, you know, this is the plan, you know? Yeah. Like, if someone found something, they'd be like, everyone, listen, here's <laughs> the plan. Yeah. And... Uh, I mean, at Nationals this year, there was a plan on uh, there's a swinger stage, long stage. Um, you have two little low guys in a, in a window. Um, I ran it right to left. Most people ran it left to right. But I was like, if anyone wanted to know, I would blatantly tell them, this is what I got in this plan, right? Yeah. And uh, that was really not the case. My, my 2019 Nationals, you know, I encountered a lot of a lot of people saying things but not meaning it or um, trying to mislead people with different stage plans. And so I think 2019 was way different. I stuck to my kind of posse of guys, my squad of guys that I could really trust. And so I think trust is really big. Trust is earned. It's not just given. And trust for me just goes out the window like that, right, really yeah. easily. And so I stick to my guys. Um, and I think it's way easier to stick to people that, you know, don't have as much of a dog in the fight, meaning that, you know, they're not going to win. So uh, I have to trust guys that, you know, maybe don't have a dog in the fight or just I have a lot of respect and trust for. And so for me, I work with my guys. I think this year I've worked the most with just myself. Yeah. I've never, I, I mean, I obviously do my own process and everything, but as far as stage planning, I ran stage plans this year, confidently knowing that I think I could do better on it because of my skill set. Mm. I didn't let, I'm trying more and more, not let other people's stage plans influence me. Um, like if some random person was like, Oh, I'm running it like this. I'd be like, oh, wait, what am I losing, you know? Yeah. And I've been able to quantify a lot more uh, knowing what my transitions are and stuff, but it's not as collaborative as people think. Um, I, when anyone in the top 10 tells me anything on a stage, I'm taking it with a grain of salt because yeah. uh, four or five times out of 10, it's misleading, you know? Okay. So I, I don't listen to other people in Super Squad's plan as much. I'm open to hearing it. I think great ideas are good, but at the end of the day, I have to pick for myself and really decide for myself that's the best plan for me. Okay. So obviously, uh, 2021, mm-hmm. when the world shoots the goal, mm-hmm. what are three things that you got to do between now and then to make that happen? Yes. Okay. Back to that physical, I'm gonna work on my swingers. Yeah. I'm going to keep developing my movement. I'm going to get better at that. I'm calling shots good. Physically, it's like kind of swingers and improve a little bit more on the shooting, kind of refine some stuff. I, there's always refining. I think I'm doing a pretty good job now, but there's always refining, mm-hmm. always more levels of that, that stuff. And then as far as, um, I also want to get like more physically fit. I'm working on that running, doing a lot of workout stuff. I guess I think I have like 1% more that I'm obviously young and spry and I can bounce around and you know, sure. that's good. But and then also I need to become, uh, I have the underdog mentality, but I need to continue to have the underdog mentality when I'm up, when I was up 60 points at nationals, which mm-hmm. is like almost fall on your face and still win type of points. But there's a lot of stages left, you know? Yeah. And so I need to be able to, um, even when I'm up, keep grinding on the mm-hmm. stages and so i need to stay in it more and more focused like first day, first day i was locked in yeah i was unbelievably locked in yeah and guess what i could have been locked in on day two and day three but i was locked in on day one because i hadn't won anything yet i ha- wasn't having a lead i didn't have a lead and um, i ended the day with a lead but i shot every single stage like grinding like focused yeah. and then when you're up 60 points i find it really hard to be focused as much and so for me, I just need, if I kept that focus for the rest of the stages, I could have won by, 
you know, 60 at least, basically, right? I could have held that lead, if not expanded it. And so I seem to be able to stay focused when, you know, you're up by so much. Yeah. Like, it wasn't until I was only up by, like, 25 or 30 points. I was like, all right, we're back in a competition again. Yeah. Like, I didn't even feel like I was in a competition at that point. And, I, and that's, that's just, like, how it happened, basically. And I was like, all right, you're an idiot for that. But then I was like, all right, let's put the gas on. Not the gas on, but let's go back to normal. And so I need to, I need to stay in normal because normal is good enough. It's good enough. It's good. It's good. And uh, I just need to stay in normal and not try to like do anything differently because my normal is control. If I shoot normally, I'm not missing. I'm not doing anything out of control. I've never pushed at any nationals. I, I didn't push on any of the stages, right? Okay. And so I was just shooting normal and I won some stages. So I, I realized that I just need to shoot normal and I yeah. won't do anything bad. It's when I try to not shoot normal, I try to shoot slower or anything. It's like not good. So that seems to stay focused, work on some physical stuff, but um, yeah, more training and stuff. Yeah. Is there any IPSC uh, variance in the rules that you're going to mm-hmm. have to get used to or practice between now and then? Yes, 100%. That's very interesting. Um, as far as not taking like a sight picture, you can take a sight picture, but you can't like dry fire or trigger and stuff. And so I forget which area match it was at, but at local matches, I'll do IPSC rules. And so I think big for that is go to the safety table and dry fire because when you get to the line, you're basically loading your gun and holstering it. Okay. I think that's big. I don't think there's anything really else they're, besides that they flip the targets am, am i wrong about yeah that? they're the classic targets yeah. and I, I actually only train on classes classic targets okay. i'll have, i'll sometimes shoot uspsa targets going into a uspsa match but i only shoot classic targets okay. i think they demand more respect more accuracy and i don't know i only shoot classic targets i like it yeah, they're, they're uh, i do find them a bit more challenging too i don't know what yeah. it is I, I think the dimensions are very similar i think this may be the same alpha size maybe smaller i think smaller i don't know i, I think if we want to make shooting big we cannot be shooting at human shaped targets we cannot you know we yes. cannot have five in a row and hammer them with a the gun that is not that's not good optics yeah it's, but when you have targets it's way better yeah, yeah that's not gonna be on the espn maybe some ipsc will be but and some people will be like, oh, I don't care, but like, this is our thing. But, you know, if you want to expand and grow or yeah. you want to shrivel and die, it's different. Yeah, and um, I think that yeah. sort of thing has to be embraced by people. It's like, totally. you know, I, I get the tradition and I get the, mm-hmm. you know, that target's been around for a long time. But right. uh, th- there could be some advantages to maybe switching over. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pro classic target. I'm a big classic guy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, between mm-hmm. now and the world shoot, are you mm-hmm. going to change anything in your regiment uh, mm-hmm. that you did from 2019 to 2020 nationals? Is mm-hmm. there anything that you're going to implement? Like, hey, I wasn't doing this, but I'm going to do mm-hmm. it now. 2019 to 2020 revolutionized my training. Okay. And so I, I didn't see anything big at this nationals. I was like, all right, you're an idiot for this. Like I did in 2019. <laughs> yeah. But I think if I stay on the same training path that I was on 2019 to 2020, um, just like reinforcing that stuff and like really training and hammering it, I will get a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm not the shooter that I want to be yet. Okay. I think that's a big thing I keep realizing. Everyone else when I go to the range, I'm like, this is, I'm not the shooter yet that I want to be, right? Okay. I'm not the pol- as polished as I want to be. Like, everyone's like, oh, he's real polished. He, you know, keeps his composure, does it. Like, yes, but there's so much more that I could be doing. And so that's what I want to do. I want to keep polishing, keep refining, keep getting better. So, like, I see the growth. I, I see the traje- tra- trajectory. <laughs> we are not at the top. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the things that you're mm-hmm. doing now as far as, like, uh, vir- any virtual mm-hmm. instruction or, like, the analysis that I mm-hmm. watched last night? And how can people mm-hmm. – I know you're, you're kind of – you're backed up on classes. But, yeah. Uh, people want to get in touch with you to learn mm-hmm. from you. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, so I think the Vimeo videos are really cool, like, specifically for USPSA shooters. Mm-hmm. If you're a high level or – I mean, even – it's good for all levels, really. Yeah, agreed. But, I mean, if you're – if you're if you've got some USPSA matches under your belt, you start to understand things. You're like, all right, what's the next step, basically? I think the 2019 breakdown is – awesome 
mm-hmm. because there's a lot in there. I think 2019-2020 breakdown is more how the match actually went, the progression of the match, and, like, game plan and stuff. So I think both of them are really, really good. I think the best way, if you want to, like, see, like, my mindset in the match, 2019 for more of the skill stuff, 2020 for more of the how the match goes, like, how you play stuff. Um, it's just less, like, big corrections, I guess. Like, I wasn't drop-stepping as much. Right. Um, but I think the, the two breakdowns are really, really good. Um, if you ever, like, shoot an area match that I shoot at, I think it's, like, $5 to buy an area match breakdown. And so mm-hmm. that's, like, pretty good bang for your buck to, like, see yeah. all the stages and how I shot it. Um, so that that's really good. I mean, I'm definitely open to Instagram uh, messages. I mean, I'll show you. I have, like, 200 messages <laughs> that are unread right now, but yeah. I'll get to them <laughs> eventually. I'll be in a long car ride or something and do it. Not driving, obviously, but... If you do message me, send me one big paragraph or two big paragraphs. Don't don't try to go back and forth. That's when you know you don't get the message responded to for hours and hours. Okay, okay. We need one big one yeah, <laughs> so you, I can respond to it all. You have a website too, right? Yes, ChristianTylerTraining.com. Okay. I don't have any new classes up there yet, but I should have them in a month or so. They'll be that'll be linked in the show notes. Uh, yep. In case someone maybe listens to this mm-hmm. a year from now, and, yeah. And wants to, you know, this, the classes are more open, mm-hmm. but uh, all that stuff will be mm-hmm. in the show notes. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, man, congratulations on your Thank second you. title. It's it's mm-hmm. huge. Uh, I don't think maybe it's always given as much credit as, as is mm-hmm. due, but uh, all my respect and admiration, man. Congratulations right. on your second title. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I can't wait to watch the world shoot. Thank you. I appreciate it. It'll be it'll be fun. But thanks for having me on. This is just a great podcast. Yeah, yeah I, I love sitting down with you. I like to mm-hmm. shoot with you one time. And Let's thanks, do it. <laughs> thanks for coming, man. I appreciate it. Of course. It. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, to everybody that listened, I appreciate it. This is another episode of Empty Brass, and I'm your host, CJ Boxer.